Father, this morning, I thank you for the privilege that we have to open your word. I thank you your word is alive. Your word is sharp. It is active. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. It is powerful. Father, I thank you that this word is not, um, it's not irrelevant. It's not uh, just a historical document. But Father God, as your word says in Timothy, it is the inspired, breathing word of God. And as we open it today, Father, I pray that you would speak to us. You would speak to each one of us. Father, I thank you that you are not a cookie cutter God that says, okay, Generation City Church, there you go. But Father, I thank you that just as much as you see a crowd of people here this morning, you see the individuals in the crowd. Father, I thank you that there is no one that is too far from you. Father God, I thank you that there is no one here that you don't see, that you have not pre, um, pre-planned for them to be here this morning. Father, as we open your word, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would, um, you would move amongst your people, Father, and let what you want to be said, want to have said, said this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Colossians 2, we're going to be reading from verse 13 through to verse 15. It says, When you were dead, when you were dead in your sin and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. It's so good to have all the Gen City kids with us this morning um, and the team. Sorry, just a little sidetrack. It's exciting. It is. Absolutely. It's exciting. We love having the kids up in church with us, and it's um, we um, we 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 don't use language like there's no city kids today. It's Gen City Kids is joining our service because Gen City Kids and the team are just as much a part of everything that's going on here as we are. So it's so good to have you guys here and uh, and and with us. But when you were dead, everyone say dead, dead. dead. When you were dead in your sin. And in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive. Everyone say alive. Alive Alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sin. I'm so grateful that what Jesus did on the cross wasn't enough to cover 80% of sin or 50% or even 99% of sin, but He forgave us all our sin. That sin that you think that no one knows about, God knows about. That thing that you've tried to keep hidden that you hope never ever sees the light of day that no one ever ever hears about. I'm telling you now that God knows about it. God sees it and He still loves you. He still has a plan and a purpose for you. He forgave us all our sin, having cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. You know, that image there at the end that Paul's talking about, having disarmed the powers, a public spectacle of them triumphing over them by the cross. That's a, that's a piece of imagery from back in the Roman Empire days where, where the Romans would, would capture, they would conquer a king. And what they would do is they would, con- they would bring the king and all of his remaining warriors, and they would march them through the streets of Rome, ridiculing and laughing and pointing their finger at them, saying, we've conquered you, you are nothing, you will bow your knee to the Romans. That's the picture that God wants us to see when He triumphed over sin and death on the cross. That's exactly what He wants us to see, that God is making a public spectacle of the demonic powers, the demonic entities. He's making a public spectacle saying, I have conquered you. The cross has had the final word. 
That's what it's saying. I'm so grateful. It says, having cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness, he's taken it away, nailing it to the cross, triumphing over them by the cross. God has absolutely ruined me for the cross. The cross. I've been thinking over the last six weeks since I last shared with you at the end of April. And I've just got this one thought going around in my head, around in my heart. And it's where, where would I be without the cross? Where would I be without the cross? Without the cross, I'm lost. Without the cross, I'm broken. Without the cross, I'm blind. Without the cross, I'm not a bad person. I'm not an evil person. Without the cross, I'm dead. Last time I checked, the dead person couldn't do anything for themselves. But without the cross, I am dead. But the cross changed and still changes everything. Romans 6, verses 6 to 11 in the message translation. I just love the message. It says, could it be any clearer? Our old way of life was nailed to the cross with Christ. A decisive end to that sin-miserable life, no longer at sin's every beck and call. What we believe is this. If we get included in Christ's sin-conquering death, we also get included in His life-saving resurrection. We know that when Jesus was raised from the dead, it was a signal of the end of death as the end. Never again will death have the last word. When Jesus died, He took sin down with Him. But alive, He brings God down to us. From now on, think of it this way. Sin speaks a dead language that means nothing to you. God speaks your mother tongue and you hang on every word. You are dead to sin and alive to God. That's what Jesus did. That's what he did. Where would we be without the cross? Where would we be without him? I, I, I think without, without the cross, because of the cross, I, I, I once was lost, but now I'm found. When I think about the cross, I, I once was blind, but now I see. Before when I think about the cross, I, I was broken, but now I am whole. Because of the cross, I was dead, but now I am alive. Are you really going to preach the gospel again, Joel? We are so past this. But are we? As I was preparing for this morning, I, I'm trying to think about something that I can, I can share. What, what, what can I share? What, what's, what's God saying to me? And the last thing that I want to do is throw together a message for you this morning, a three or four point, I tell you, three or four points on how to live a better life or anything like that. And that's not the kind of church that we are. We're the kind of church that believes in Jesus. We're the kind of church that believes in the power of the cross, that, that we can sing things like the cross, it has the final word. And, and for me, only Jesus and what's going off in my heart. And if there's anything that I can bring to you this morning is where would we be without the cross? Where would we be? Have we moved on? The gospel is not the ABCs. 
It's not the ABCs that, yeah, once you go through kindergarten, it's the kindergarten of Christianity is the gospel. God help us if that's all it is. God help us if that is all this is, is the ABCs. Joel, that's for a new Christians class. We're the mature Christians here this morning. But I don't know about you, but my desire is that I would never graduate from the gospel, that I will never ever move on from what Jesus has done for me because because of what He has done for me, it changes every moment of every day. It changes what's important to me. It changes what I value. It changes the things that I decide to sow my finance into. It changes what I choose to sow my time into. It changes what I sacrifice things for when I think about the cross. When I think about the cross, Romans 12, verse 1. Therefore, I urge you. This is Paul writing, I urge you. Some translations say, I I beseech you. That's a great word, beseech. I think we should bring that back. We need to bring that word back, beseech. I beseech you. John, I beseech you to wash my car on Monday. <laughs> In your speedos. <laughs> I beseech you. <laughs> but that word beseech, it's, it, it's, not a, it's not a coming down on top of it. It's not a, you're going to do this. That's not what Paul's saying. When he says, I beseech you, I urge you. He's like a brother coming alongside and putting his arm around saying, come on. Come on, I urge you, I encourage you. If there's one thing that I can encourage you in view of God's mercy, in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. In view of God's mercy, in view of His mercy, have we lost that sense of awe and wonder when we come in this morning, come into the presence of God? Have we walked in thinking, I'm not in the seat that I would normally sit in? Have we walked in thinking, what am I doing this afternoon for lunch? What's happened this week gone and what's coming up in the week ahead? Or are my eyes and my gaze fully fixed on Jesus? You know, as our senior pastor shared this morning, the worship is not for you to enjoy. I'm really, really sorry. But in our consumer-driven society where it's about me and what I get out of it and whether or not it's worth my time, this worship is not about you. This worship is not about me. It's a tool that we use to help connect us into the presence of God. I was reading this this week that the, the antidote to fear is faith. The antidote to fear, the unknown, the uncertainty of life and what and its challenges and what's going on. Maybe maybe you're you're here this morning and, and your fear is for a child who is who is lost, a child that is on drugs, maybe living on the streets. Maybe your fear is 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 for an an, uh, an unsafe spouse. Maybe it's for a job situation. Maybe you found out this morning that you've been made redundant. Maybe you have a a, a really sick relative that is just on their final final days of life. Those fears that can overcome our heart. The, the antidote to fear is faith, but the soundtrack to faith is worship. 
It's worship. Worship helps lift our eyes and fix our eyes on Him and who He is and what He has done. See, we pick songs of a, of, of a Sunday morning and even for this afternoon that are going to set people's attention on Jesus. When people walk into our services, they don't, they don't need amazing lights. We want amazing lights. <laughs> ah, I can see where this is going. Lights help. Equipment helps. But the last time I checked, that light didn't die on a cross for you. That keyboard never laid down its life. That person on the door that hugged you and greeted you, they didn't, they didn't die for you. Jesus did. And it's our desire that every single person who comes here would see the cross. They would see Jesus in view of the cross. We want to make people's view of Jesus so unhindered and so unimpeded as possible. And excellence helps us do that when we're excellent in what we do. But I think about it and I think in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies, the cross, the gospel, it demands a response. It demands a response in every moment of every day we're responding to the cross. Right now, this morning, Right now, three seconds later, we're responding to the cross. It's not just when there's music being played that we're responding to the cross because when, the, when, when Paul writes and says that you're true and proper worship, he, he's not talking about that 15 minutes on a Sunday morning where our hands are raised and our eyes are closed and we're singing our guts out. But he's talking about every moment of every day that we're responding to the cross and the cross demands a response. It demands a response. You see, it's demanding a response, but we may feel like, hey, I'm just on, on, on the fence and I'm just not sure. Um, I'm just not sure about this whole thing, but that is a response. That is a response. But our response to the cross is hinged on how clearly we can see the cross how clearly we can see what he has done. There's a bit, of a bit of a debate that happens every now and again, as you might have remembered through Easter, we had this incredible cross in the middle there. You know, um, if I get this right, um, um, how, old, how old's Lucy? 10? 11, you're 11. Lucy's 11. Oh, De Declan's 10. Sorry, buddy. Sorry. Lucy's 11 and Lachlan is 12. They, they, they built that. An 11-year-old and a 12-year-old built that. Um, that. That's just a bit of a side note, but I'm just amazed at like, the, the skill of, of young people today. I, I'd, it would ta I'd still be making it if I was making it. Um, I had, would have no idea how to put it together. But these young people, these young people built this thing so that we could, we could use it over Easter. But there's a bit of a debate that it's like, there, there, there should be a cross in church. What kind of church is this if there's not a cross? But then someone also walk in and they go, there shouldn't be a cross in church. Jesus is not on the cross anymore. So it depends on which side of the fence you sit on. It's like the cross should be, the cross shouldn't be there. But for me, the cross is a reminder. The cross is a reminder. It reminds me of, of, 
reminds me of what he's done for me. And it's not God going, grabbing our, our heads and spinning it around like, look at me, look at the cross. He grabs our heads and, and swivels it around to see, but it's in plain view. It's in plain view what he has done for us. But my level of response is determined by my view of the cross. And I'm not talking about your view as in your opinion. Because the only opinion about the cross that I'm interested in is what this one says. Maybe it was some historical thing. I was reading something last night and um, the, the part, this thing that I read was that um, parts of the Quran even object that the cross even took place. Like, uh, um, uh, I mean, that's just something I was reading last night when I was reading about the cross and just similarities and things. But, but the, the Bible tells us about the cross. It tells us about the power of the cross. And, but you see, when we lose sight of the cross... We lose sight of the gospel. We lose sight of the gospel. We, we lose sight of the good news. That word gospel, it simply means good news. And I, I never want to move on. I never want to graduate. I, I never, okay, here's my certificate. I've passed the gospel. I've passed Christian foundations. I don't need to go back there. I've done it. But you see, we live anchored to the cross. We live anchored to what he's done for us. I never want to graduate from the gospel. When we lose sight of the gospel, when we lose sight of the cross, we lose sight of the gospel. When we lose sight of the cross, discipleship becomes some heavy religious activity that is only for the fanatics. When we lose sight of the cross, discipleship becomes some heavy religious activity that is only for the fanatics. God help us that we would that we would not be people who simply receive of God's mercy and of God's grace and that's it. Got my ticket to heaven, I'm gonna live how I want to live now. God's got this sorted, God's grace covers me. I'm gonna go and do whatever I want, but God's grace covers me. If we truly see the cross, what it cost, what Jesus went through for us, how could we ever think that way? How could we ever think that way? Discipleship, that's a big word. It's an old word, but discipleship truly is the journey that we go on walking with Jesus. You want to know what God's plan and God's purpose is for your life? God's plan and God's purpose for our lives is to make us more and more like Jesus. It's as simple as it is. To make us more and more like Jesus. Philippians 1 verse 6 says that he, he who began a good work in you, that good work that he has begun is, is Christ living in us, Christ in us. The good work is making us more and more like Jesus. The good work that he has begun, he's going to carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. That good work is the process of us becoming more and more like Jesus. But you see, when we lose sight of the cross, discipleship, is a heavy religious activity. The cross can be seen as just some religious symbol. Religious symbol that's hung around your neck or, or a tattoo or, or um, just an image. But when we see the cross and what it truly means, discipleship becomes who we are. We want to be more and more like Jesus. 
The more I walk with Jesus, the more I spend time with Him, the more I become like Him. When we lose sight of the cross, we lose our sense of gratitude. In view of the cross, our sense of entitlement dies. If you can genuinely look into your heart, gauge your own responses to things, and notice that you've lost your sense of gratitude to Jesus for the cross, then your view's probably blocked. Your view's probably blocked. But you see, when we see the cross clearly, our heart overflows. Another couple of verses in Colossians that, that I just... I love and I feel like God's written on my heart is, is, is verse 6 and 7. Therefore, having received Christ, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted, grounded, established, built up. I can't remember what translation I'm reading. Um, overflowing with thankfulness. That the more we walk with Jesus, the more we are grounded and established and built up in the faith and the journey with Him as we continue our thankfulness increases. We overflow with gratitude. We overflow with thanksgiving to Jesus for what He has done. That my response is, is not based on what someone else has done to me or, or whether something is fair or not. But Jesus, if you were fair, if you were fair, you wouldn't have come and died on a cross for us. I love that quote that Pastor Marty shared this morning. Louis Giglio said, it's like, if you, if, you, if you think you're in that place this morning where, God, I don't deserve a second chance. You've already given me a chance and I've muffed it. And it's, it's just, God, I don't deserve another chance. We've got to remind ourselves, we didn't deserve the first one. I didn't deserve a first go, let alone a second go. But God in His goodness says, keep coming back, keep coming back, run back to me. That the response of the Father is like that of this, uh, of, that was waiting for the Son to return who'd gone off and squandered His wealth and decided, I'm going to go back to my Father's house. Here's the Father standing, watching and waiting. That's our God. That's Jesus standing, watching and waiting. And the moment he sees us coming over the hill, returning to him, he doesn't wait with arms folded, doesn't pretend he can't see you. But the moment he sees you make a step towards him, he's on his way to meet you, to throw his arms around you, to restore you. I'm so grateful that God is our redeemer. To deem something is to, is to value something. To redeem means to revalue. And on the cross, Jesus revalued each one of us. He revalued each one of us. He repurchased us by his blood. He repurchased us through what he did for us on the cross. The cross reminds me that my debt is paid. The cross reminds me that I have not earned my salvation. The cross reminds me that it's not about what I've done, but what He has done. But you see, when we see the cross, we've responded to His goodness. We need to remember 
that we've now been entrusted with the message. That this isn't just about us seeing Jesus, although that is the starting point. That's the most important part is that we as individuals would see him. But it doesn't stop there. It doesn't finish. In other words, it's one of those songs we're singing this morning. Now I know I have seen your glory that cannot be unseen. That now that I have seen the cross, I've been entrusted to carry the message of the cross as an ambassador for Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5, reading from verse 11, it says, Since then we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade others. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it is also plain to your conscience. We are not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart. If we are out of our mind, as some say, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us. Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And He died for all. That those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for Him who died for them and was raised again. See, that's that, that concept of response. He died that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for Him, for what He values, for what He cares about for Him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this from God, who reconciled us to Himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to Himself in Christ. Some translations say that God was in Christ, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to Himself, not counting people's sins against them. That's for you, someone here this morning, God is not counting your sin against you. And He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassador. We are therefore Christ's ambassador, Christ's representative, as though God were making His appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God, God who made Him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. We're therefore Christ's ambassadors. We have been entrusted with the message about Jesus. And we carry that message. But the effectiveness of us carrying is determined by how clearly we have seen. I don't think I truly realize what I carry. I don't think I truly realize what I carry. I don't think we truly realise that we carry something so precious. We carry something so valuable. We carry the antidote. But maybe you're here this morning and maybe this message for you is, is see the cross again. 
Where would I be without the cross? Maybe that's where you are this morning, but maybe, maybe you're here this morning. Maybe you're here this morning and for you, it's about, wow, I've seen the cross and I have so much gratitude, but, but we now need to move into, I'm a carrier of this message. Wherever I go, I carry the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I carry that He has paid the price. He has ransomed. He has redeemed us. And that is not just for us. God's desire is not that we would just live saved. Okay, there's another one in the boat. There's another one. There's another one. But that we would live saved and called. He has called us to be ambassadors and representatives for Him. It is not my job to just be God's ambassador. Just because I'm up here speaking the gospel doesn't mean that I am the ambassador. Doesn't mean that Pastor Marty and Pastor Margo and, 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 uh, and Jono, that we're the ambassadors. We are the ambassadors. Wherever you find yourself in your workplace, in your school, in, in your family, wherever you are, you are an ambassador for Jesus carrying the message of the gospel. But how effective we carry that and minister that is determined by how clearly I have seen because if we truly value the cross and have truly seen what Jesus has done, how can we not share it? How can we not give it? Ambassadors for Jesus. That doesn't mean you stand on the street corner and you preach. It doesn't mean that's what we do. It doesn't mean that at the family dinner table, it's your job. It's your job to make sure that everyone in the, else around the table at your family knows that they're a sinner and they're lost. That's not necessarily what that looks like. They're carrying the message of Jesus. It's a message of hope. It's a message of love. I think about the story of, the story of Zacchaeus I just in Luke 19. Jesus will take us exactly the way we are. But an encounter with him will, ever, will never ever leave us the same. We don't actually get to hear or, or, or know what the conversation was that Jesus had with Zacchaeus. We, we don't get to be privy to that information. But what we do know is Jesus called Zacchaeus by name. He wanted relationship with Zacchaeus. And out of that, I don't believe that Jesus said to Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, if you truly have seen me and you truly get this, you're going to give away half of your wealth and repay everyone you've ripped off four times over. I don't believe Jesus would have said that. But in the presence of Jesus, when we see Jesus and we see what he has done for us, we can't help but respond. And Zacchaeus had an encounter with Jesus that left him changed. But we don't hear what Jesus said. Maybe, Zac maybe Jesus just loved Zacchaeus. Maybe he just, they just had a good meal. Maybe we don't know what was said, but an encounter with Jesus changed him. And as Christ's ambassadors, people coming into contact with us, Christians have got a really bad name at the moment. Luke and I go into Meriwether High School and we teach scripture for year seven students on a Friday afternoon. And, and um, we started talking about, these kids have got some out there questions, but within, a, like, it might have been the second, second lesson that they wanted to talk about 
um, they want to talk about how the church views homosexuality. They turned around and they said, um, church hate gay people. Christians think gay people are evil. Just they're going, man, oh man. That's not, that's not what we believe. It's not who we are. But it's this image that's conjured up that, oh yeah, we're just this holy, holier than whatever. But I just, I just said to them, I said, I don't, I don't hate gay people. God doesn't hate gay people. My Bible said, for God so loved the world that whoever believes in him. And that means people of whatever, um, whatever. I, I, LGBT, I can't remember the rest of them because by the time I finish speaking, there'll be another one added on at the end. Um, but Jesus died on the cross for them. He died on the cross. And I think the work of the Holy Spirit in people's lives, as we see Jesus, as we see Jesus, as we see him clearly, that they would have an encounter with Jesus like Zacchaeus did. That it would flow out of a response because we, we can't, Jesus will take us just as we are, but an encounter with Jesus will never leave us the same. And it's all because of the cross. Luke 12, verse 48, if the team would like to come. Luke 12, verse 48, Jesus is talking. And he says, from everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. I just want to close by saying that we have been entrusted with much. The message of Jesus that he has asked us to carry as his representatives and as his ambassadors. We have been given much. You might not feel like you have much with Jesus. You, you have a heck of a lot. And we've been entrusted with the gospel. We've been entrusted with the good news. And much is required of us. We're not just to live saved, but we're to live saved and called. Where would we be without the cross? As I said earlier, maybe for you it's, God, I need to see the cross clearer again. God, I saw the cross 40 years ago or I saw the cross six months ago. But Father, show me the cross again. Show me what you did for me again. Or maybe here this morning and you need to move from your place of having only seen and that's all, all, all that matters. And that, that's, I, I, that's a great place to be. But maybe for you, it's, it's now living as an ambassador, realizing the message, this precious message that you carry in your heart to the world around you. Where would we be? Where would we be without the cross? Would you, would you close your eyes and, and bow your heads for a moment? And thinking about this verse in John 3.16, it's probably the most well-known Bible passage there is. And talking about it, or maybe it's 
what we've been doing with scripture and different things, but I think about this passage for, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. The gospel, the good news, the cross was for everyone. It's incredibly inclusive and it is for each one of us. Incredibly inclusive. God's God's arms are open wide for God so loved the world. The world. Everyone. All eight billion of us, if there's that many. Whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For as much as it is so amazingly inclusive, the flip side of it is, is the gospel, the message of Jesus is so exclusive. Well, how can something be so inclusively exclusive? This is for everyone. But the Bible tells us that there's one gate we go through, and that gate is Jesus Christ. That gate is what he did on the cross, that, that we, we come to terms with the fact that we are sinners. We are separated from God. We are not, a, not sinners because we sin, but we sin because we're sinners. It's inherent in who we are because of what happened in the garden. The garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve ate of the fruit, that's when sin entered the world. And because of that, I am a sinner. So inclusive, yet so exclusive. And this morning, I want to invite you, if you've never responded to Jesus before, to come through that gate and start your journey with Him. But maybe you're here this morning and you could so identify with, I don't deserve a second chance with God. Maybe you could identify with that. But you didn't deserve your first one either. And the Father's arms are open wide. If that's you this morning, I want to invite you while every head is bowed and every eye is closed to raise your hand. If you want to respond to Jesus this morning, you're not responding to a church, you're responding to a person, you're not responding to a religion, you're responding to Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Father, where would we be without the cross? Where would we be without what you have done for us? Father, I pray you would open our eyes anew and open our eyes afresh to you and what you have done. Father, things that are blocking our view, I pray that they would be removed. God, if we need to get up and move so we can be better positioned to see you, I pray that you would you would show us how to do that and how to walk that out. Father, reveal to us this message that we carry and the value that it has and that it holds. Fill each one with confidence, I pray, as they go out. That even on this Pentecost Sunday, 2017, that you would infuse your people with power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you to be my witnesses. I pray for each one of us that we would receive a fresh infilling of your spirit to live how you would have us live, walk how you would have us walk, and be all that you have called us to be. Jesus' name.